In this episode of the Phantom Jukebox, we learn about Scientology, cultish behavior, and writer, musician, poet, and self-proclaimed religious leader, L. Ron Hubbard. And we're live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Phantom Jukebox. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I am Joseph Shannon. And we are two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. They just dive. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, you can find uh, um, our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Podbean, uh, Samsung Freeze, new one. Uh, anywhere you find your major streaming platforms, we will be there. And maybe some off-the-shelf ones, who knows? Uh, if you if any one of those has a rating feature like Apple or uh, Spotify, maybe even Google, you know, give us a, give us five stars or your opinion about the show. Tell us what you like, what maybe you didn't like, or maybe something you want to hear about in the future. We would really appreciate it, and it helps us on our end. And come talk to us. We're on the Twitter and Facebook. Phantom Jukebox. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Phantom Jukebox Podcast. Come, just look us up, and we're on all the social medias except MySpace because that's kind of dead now. <laughs> Is it dead? I think it died. It kind of, sort of came back. I think Justin Timberlake bought it. And oh, I, I don't. Then well, no, this was years ago. This was years ago. I'm getting back on now. <laughs> Time to reactivate that old account. I'm bringing MySpace back. I'm selling the top eight. <laughs> Tom's still there. Top bitter. So, so it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been, it's been a while. And I've missed it dearly. It's just life is. Life's been happening. Life us. has been happening at a, at a speed we could not have predicted. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing you can really do to stop life from happening. <laughs> life happens. Besides like we're a condom, but. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So uh, this is going to be a two part uh, series on uh, Scientology because this, they just couldn't be one. There's it's no... Scientology. So, uh, <laughs> so there is going to be numbers and facts in this, but anything regarding Scientology as a practice, there, there's opinions. These yeah. are opinions only, people. Lawyers, those are opinions. Only opinions. They'll come after my assets. <laughs> Not that I have any. No. Not that I have any. Some of those things, they'll break in and actually leave some because, just, yeah. It's like fruitcakes at Christmas. So anyway, yeah, no, this is going to be a two-part series. The The first part, the part we're going to get into today is we're going to kind of get into comparing Scientology and cultish behavior. Hmm. And we're going to see, you know, what your, you know, the audience, I leave it to you to decide we'll, afterwards. We'll compare and contrast, little pros and cons. Little pros and cons, little Venn diagram action for you. We'll lay out the brochure. Mm-hmm. And um, because this is a music show, part two is all about the music of Scientology. And I have listened to about 60 to 70% of every album I found. 
there's a lot of phrases that I've never expected to hear. <laughs> the music of Scientology. Oh, there is. Definitely not one of them. There's two concept albums and then two albums spreading the word and then another album that we'll talk about on the B-sides. We really need to start writing more music. <laughs> it's sad that we have less music out there than Scientology. Well, you see, we're more we're quality over quantity. Yeah. <laughs> and what we're going to be finding out very, very, uh, in a very strong way in part two is uh, what that really means. <laughs> and uh, okay. I'm all for it. Similar to uh, some box office movies that have come out, uh, throwing a lot of money at something doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a good product. Mm. Ooh. Yep. Yep. So we'll, we'll be exploring that in part two two and it is uh and i have listened to uh i've listened to listened to a lot a lot of definitely two whole albums and then it was really tough to get through the next two Mm. oh man i can't i can't wait so that's that's part two but we need to get into like what is scientology what is scientology hey what's scientology ask any of them no one knows so what what as before coming into this, like, what is your current understanding of Scientology? That is your opinion, lawyers. Um, um, basically, you just take a group of people. You gather them up. We kind of all believe something, but it's hard to believe in it because you don't know, really know what it is. But you all just believe that you believe together. And as long as you're together in a group, nothing can harm you. And as long as your subscription's high enough. Yeah. Something like that. All I've heard really is rumors and rumors about, you know, the one main thing that I've heard is the connections to family before and after were are kind of, you know, severed. If you're, if you're not allowed to, if they don't approve of Scientology, then you just distance yourself. Right. Which is a, a point we are going to talk about later. Mm-hmm. A big point, actually. So what is Scientology? According to Scientology beliefs, Scientology itself is a blend of science and spirituality, with belief in an immortal spirit and improving that spirit here on Earth using Scientology's methods. Mm, Using science. (laughs) Science! Kind of like a magic school bus type of situation. You know, I did miss the Scientology episode of the Magic School Bus. What was, what was that teacher's name? Frizzle? Is Ms. It? Frizzle? She was so a Scientologist. 100%. <laughs> Look at that dress. Those, those eyes. The redhead. They're just trying to indoctrinate those children. <laughs> <laughs> this is secret message of the Magic School Bus. <laughs> Just just an episode on thetans and e-meters. Oh man, that was that was hard for me to keep together. Okay, <laughs> so Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, born mm. March thirteenth, nineteen eleven, was an American author and founder of Scientology. He had numerous publications in sci in sci-fi magazines in the nineteen thirties. Uh, Hubbard produced more than two hundred and fifty published works of fiction. In his writing career. So it's, it's, it's all anything opinions aside about him. He was, I mean, he was busy in the thirties and I think up to like the fifties creating science fiction. Mm. Some of it, some people really liked like at, at that point. I mean, nobody really had anything too bad to say. Like if you like, like deep sci-fi type stuff, I mean, he, he you know, he was just another one of those people in that genre that you might have read. 
to have someone as your uh, your leader in a religion, someone who's really good at writing not real stuff, you know, that's just an opinion. Weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> Funny, right? Funny how that happens. I'm not connecting any dots. <laughs> no dots connected here. I'm just seeing stars. <laughs> it's the constellation of Malacca's. <laughs> He also dabbled in music, which is why we're here. Mm. But we'll uh, we'll we'll be exploring some of that in more in detail in uh, the next episode. So, is Scientology a cult? We've we've kind of gone like very briefly gone over what their definition of things are and the founder very briefly. So, is Scientology a cult? That is the question. Experts say the term cult doesn't refer to an actual religion. Instead, it applies to a social movement. Hmm. According to Robin Clark, a linguistics professor at Penn State University, the word cult originally designates a practice of religious veneration and the religious system based around such veneration. So, you know, the word was later co-opted in the first half of the 20th century by sociology experts and has become uh, to mean like a social group of deviants basically like it didn't necessarily mean bad things but it's kind of turned into a bad thing oh yeah trying to like i'm I'm blanking on modern examples but there's definitely one chess club (laughs) (laughs) devil worshipers god damn devil worshipers so so When we started this miniseries uh, with our Father Yoda episode, one of my favorites still, we summed up back then that a, a cult was a group that isolates its members from society to focus on specific ideologies or certain people. That's more of like the modern definition of what a cult means. Mm, okay. Yeah. Or as of, you know, the 20th century. So, and um, sometimes they use music in religious ceremonies in order to direct emotional or psychological attention to a specific ideology or person, uh, which isn't a requirement, but sometimes it's an effective, like there's been studies to show that, you know, music can affect you and help like push you. Like when you watch a movie, for example, if, you know, there's, you know, in Forrest Gump, for example, the end of the movie where the, the feather is yeah. flying around and you've got that really sweet piano melody in the background, it gets you. The, the Jaws theme. That exact, well, that kept yeah. people out of the ocean for a decade. It's a couple simple notes, but exactly that. It, that's exactly uh, it. Like it can be a happiness thing, or it can be a fear thing. Music can it can definitely be used as a uh, a tool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if brainwashing is the term we're going to use, but it can definitely help. It's another another tool in the bag, and uh, it's a bag. They it's it's a <laughs> maybe their bag had a hole in it, but uh, Hubbard and the gang would use would definitely in the last two albums that they would produce. Try to spread the word. There's a gentle kick in the back towards the direction. Now we're going to talk about like what are the other qualities that contain a cult. Like we've talked about Father Yod. Um, some of the things that we've had are like a really charismatic person or like a certain specific tenant or like a kind of like a really controlling mm, yeah. set of rules, so to speak. So... Some things that go along with that are questioning, doubt, or dissent are discouraged or even punished. So these are qualities of a cult. Ah. Uh, Mind-altering practices such as meditation, chanting, speaking in tongues, 
um, denunciation sessions or debilitating work routines are used in excess and serve to suppress doubts in the group and its leaders. So it's tough to kind of think for yourself and to think about like how off something might be. Yeah. Father Yod gets- It's just the norm around here. Exactly. Like if, like Father Yod, for example, having like a two-story, no, it was a single-story house, maybe 2,000, I'll give it, I think we were generous and we said something around 3,000 square feet Yeah, to fit like 120 people in it. That's that's a lot of people, right? right? You would see other. the fumes coming from the windows out of the house. Just it would do, the heat would be absolutely insane. Farts were visible. <laughs> I'm glad no smoking was involved uh, was allowed in yeah. Father Yod's uh, cult, or there would be problems. Um, but it's really really hard to think against that kind of stuff, or like think like, hey, this is weird when you're really really tired, both physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Like that, those are certainly tools to keep you from thinking like the last thing you're going to get in a cult is time to yourself to really think about, Hey, this is weird. Yeah. You can't stop and think about that. There's other shit to do. Why have I given all of my earthly possessions away, but our leader is driving around in a Rolls Royce. Weird. That's weird. Weird. I'm not allowed to be around my wife but there's eight women around him at all times, <laughs> including my wife. <laughs> I thought you were going to My wife. My wife. Don't touch my wife. So um, the leadership dictates sometimes in great detail how members act, think, feel. Uh, members will get positioned to uh, change jobs, even get married. That is a, that's a big one. Yeah. So usually like, you you know, like maybe your fun social group on Wednesdays changes a bit when they start telling you who you can go out with or like, you know, if you're allowed to like just see each other. So it's like, oh man, the book club got real weird when Janet said we all had to wear robes and that I wasn't allowed to go home. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to talk about old books. I was just wondering when this book club was gonna end and she said never <laughs> finally we get to wear togas uh <laughs> so um yeah no getting permission for like just like your basic stuff you know where what to wear where to live uh if you can have children or if you're supposed to have children um, how to discipline them also as well uh, again with father yod they like you know they would have the children on the compound in the original like mansion they were staying in that mm. was appropriate 120 or so people sized yeah um he there was video in like the documentary of him like birthing a child and like no that's no doctors he wasn't a doctor he was a restaurateur that's crazy yes so just complete and utter domination of your basic rights yeah you know, that's, that's what you need to watch out for in cults. So with all that in mind, kind of a little bit of a refresher on Yod. Let's break down some stuff in Scientology. Mm. A little bit of things that are, these things are either on their website or things that happened. So, lawyers. You didn't go to any in-store visits? No. <laughs> There's actually one in Plant City. Yeah. So, but... um. I don't, I've never seen anybody go in or out of it. 
Never seen it be dusted. No. But it's not dusty. <laughs> Let's break down a little bit more about Scientology. Scientology is packaged as a new religious movement in its day, or was packaged as a new religious movement. And it's since evolved into a general understanding as a religion in the technical sense. Okay. So kind of like a spiritual movement, but it's definitely based on things that were that came out later and other things that I've read. It definitely shifted into considering itself a religion. Mm. So it, it, it's also, it's another kind of weird one that in our time, a leader founded it and it's also continuing to live past its leader. Yeah, that's not very common in, in the cults we've uh, no. heard of before. No, like with, with like Father Yode or like a number of the ones like um, they kind of fizzled out like at most a year, two years later. Like they don't really, what is driving it is the, that charismatic person or people. Yeah, the torch was never passed well no, enough. And, and it was never meant to be. It was kind of just like a, how long can I ride this ride with these, you know, with these suckers behind me? Mm. especially him like he got so sick of his people it is theorized that he went hand gliding without any lessons on purpose mm. and that ended it about as well as you could imagine that was such a good story mm-hmm. so uh check out that episode one of my favorites if you if this is your first time hi hi, hi. welcome to the show came here to learn about scientology eh <laughs> well, I don't know if you'll be able to teach a class, but we've got a few things for you. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it's kind of a weird one where it's it's outlived its founder who had a social security card. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a little weird to think about. I, I don't know. Not, there's other religions that have a bunch of equally as weird stuff, I suppose. It kind of depends on somebody coming back from the dead. After three days, how weird do you think that is compared to a founder having a social security card? It's having a social security card, we still can't find his bones yet. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. It's a little weird. So to its followers, Scientology offers a roadmap for their, their, their place in the universe and gives them a moral code. So that's, de- that's more mm. like it kind of little bit into like kind of trying to improve it, it kind of began as a sciencey thing and then it kind of definitely pushed into the spiritual thing and so it is at one point it was definitely more sciencey and then this it is now like an Arnold Palmer of yeah the funding on lasers got way too high way too high <laughs> so they kind of had to cut back on the sciencey side of it how far can we get on wishing my faith-based saber Depends on your subscription. Oh. <laughs> oh man. There's there's a movie, um, Battlefield Earth, that I it's on my list to watch before episode two. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. It looks so weird. So there so going back to Scientology, there are tenets found in Scientology that dictate the things we've talked about previously. Mm. So, which include uniforms, working long hours, and strict policy on members outside of the church. So, as you were saying before, there's kind of a, it's, you can't really socialize. Like, basically, you can 
you're supposed to spread the word and get more people into Scientology, but yeah, a little door to door action, a little less Jehovah's Witnessy, but yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not one where like, uh, it, it's enough to where you can try to like get people to come in. But once they have anything bad to say about Scientology, you're like, you're supposed to like cut them off completely. Mm. Like they're not really supposed to, you're not supposed to associate with anybody that has anything bad to say with about Scientology or, or its members or its practices. I wish they had that rule with like all sales, like try to sell it, but if they don't want it, stop, <laughs> don't push it. That's, I like that. One point for Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is like a, it's a Harry Potter situation. <laughs> One point for Scientology. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have favorites, Harry. You're my sweet little boy. <laughs> oh, man. This movie is ridiculous. So there are tenants found in Scientology, like I said, that have... Going back to that Venn diagram, let's just say there's a middle part that these things kind of sort of may, may, might fit in. They might, they might definitely yeah, fit in. A little in. outside the commandment realm, a little more into. A <laughs> little out of, does this really help the church or does this really help bank accounts kind of thing? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So Allegedly. Allegedly, lawyers. So on the Scientology website, so I went to the website. I Googled it. Ooh. And pulled up the website, the first thing that came on to Google. I feel like Scientology's website could only be accessed through like Bing or Firefox. <laughs> you know? I may have some firewall problems if that's what you're getting. That's, it just seems like something to be a little little tidy bit pretentious enough to only be allowed through certain browsers. Well, for this podcast, I have uh, gone Right up to the credit card information for joining another <laughs> another cult back in the day. Yeah. It was a whole seminar thing. I could have gotten a medallion. It would have been like $200. It's like, how to make money? Pay for my, pay for my class. Ingenious. That's how I make money. Yes, exactly. So this is Scientology.org. This is their mm, website. Official. Right? So it's a .org. Man. I mean, next step up is a .gov. <laughs> I think they're a little way, a little far away from a .gov. <laughs> Just a little Scientology, far away. get a .gov and we'll talk. Yeah. So it's a .org, so take that you know, as you will. But um, So if this isn't Scientology, you got you have people to talk to. But on Scientology.org, on their website, this is for the Sea Org group. And this was something that was formed in the kind of like mid-60s uh, by L. Ron Hubbard for uh, reasons we will be getting <laughs> to later. Um, some say he founded it to help spread the word across the Mediterranean. Some other people may say that he formed Sea Org to get into international waters for various federal reasons. Mm. Some may say. Allegedly. Allegedly. Weird. It's very weird. <laughs> I'm just going to keep adding adjectives that very the same thing very, and just stacking very, them. Very weird. So, you know, so Sea Org, just conveniently in the right place at the right time C-Org. to not get Korg. federally arrested. Anyway, so this is from the website. I clicked on it. Sea Organization, so Sea Org is short for, it's, it's literally Sea Org, O-R-G, but it means Sea Organization. Mm. Very clever. 
Sea Organization members work long hours and live in communal communal housing with meals, uniforms, medical and dental care, transport, and all other expenses associated with their duties provided by the church. They also receive an allowance to purchase personal items as all of their expenses are fully covered by the church. Wow, it's like a resort. It's like a resort that you get to resort, work at. Resort, boarding school, waterboarding, I mean surfboarding. Yeah, so, all, all in that same garden. So literally like in that like one paragraph we've hit like three or four of the main things that you need to watch out for. If you're wondering if the club I'm in might if, be a little if you, if you're running, if you have a bingo card in your head of, am I in a cult right now? <laughs> we've just hit like B4, I3. You know, we've, we've hit, we've checked an alarming number of boxes self-proclaimed in one paragraph. The free space was taken a long time ago. A long time ago. So, you know, take that with as you will. Um, there's also a contract you need to sign. And this is um, kind of like a, one of my, kind of a pre, I have, a, I have an official question for you coming up. Mm. This is kind of like a pre-question. Um, if you were to sign a, how, how long do you think this contract is? Let me go ahead. There is a contract that has a year amount of time you will, like if you join Sea Org, there is an amount of time you are expected to serve. And I'm curious, um, how long do you think the contract is supposed to be valid for like how long are you signing on for um it'd be crazy if it was longer than the military so let's say four years <laughs> i'm gonna give you one more chance okay i'm just gonna tell you go higher <laughs> it'd be crazy <laughs> if you could sooner retire from the military <laughs> than leave scientology let's say 20 years you're just a little off, actually. You sign a symbolic one billion year contract. <laughs> that's, oh. a, that's a B as in boy, billion, billion See, years. Ty, See, what I th don't think you understand here, it's symbolic. <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's symbolic. It's a symbolic billion year policy. I think they do that for legal reasons. I think. So, <laughs> and it says that. And like, if you go to, if you go to the website, and it's like, do you really sign? It's seriously on there on the side. There's questions like, you know, the FAQ page mm -hmm. and you go down and the, you, you're reading about Sea Org and there is like, hey, do you have to sign a one billion year contract? You click it and it says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is a symbolic gesture reminiscing the original members that joined 1965. It's symbolic, you it's know, symbolic. Like, your, like your social security number. Like somebody we may it's, learn about in the B-sides, you might have to escape. We don't know. It's symbolic, like a blood oath. Same thing. Same thing. We didn't tell you how you sign, but it's for a billion years. <laughs> and this kind of goes into the practice, like with, with Scientology, like your spirit lives for like eons. Mm. So there's a mortal coil. You can and never escape. Right. So like your soul, a billion years is like a couple summers. What? You know, this yeah. is my summer job. It's like a weekend gig. You know, yeah, you'd only do it for a couple months. Come back. <laughs> I split it. It's like a, you know, it's like a 24 on 48 off kind of thing. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's a billion year contract you need to sign. So, um, at the, you know, this comes to my first official question I have for you. 
No. I'm. I made a new one. You did. I felt like it was too long, so I haven't sent it to you yet. Now but I do have a new version. Now you're regretting not doing that, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, he's, he's owed me that for the whole season. So yeah, hopefully we'll get it. <laughs> we only have like two more episodes left. Season three. Here we go. <laughs> well, I'll put it in for the Halloween episode. Okay, I'll put okay. it in for the Halloween episode. So, our first question for you, Joe. Mm-hmm. If you were thinking of joining a new religion, yes, and let's say this religion had some some bad Yelp reviews, right? <laughs> Couple, it's like a it's like a five point nine out of ten. It could be good. It's weird. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, it got some bad reviews though. Some one stars. Some serious one stars. There's just some weird rumors going on about it. It's nothing. What could this religion do? to ease your worries Hmm. what could it do to just calm you're like you're like ah misunderstanding uh one big one i feel like especially for scientology would uh you know just let me really uh explain the whole thing before i sign anything like explain what it is like really give me a a real in-depth understanding of what scientology is as a whole before i sign some papers so uh, some some explanations right yeah well you're kind I kind of have something of something that may ease your mind. Mm. It's not quite what you're asking. It's ballpark, if you will. That ballpark was also okay. a soccer field. Um, how about in your general FAQ section, your general facts section of your website, your official website? I'm going this, mm. this on mm. the website, Scientology.org. Yeah. It's the first thing you're going to find when you Google. Yeah. I read this. I have it quoted right here. <laughs> Under the Attitudes and Practices tab, you have a page dedicated to answering the question Does Scientology engage in brainwashing or mind control? Hmm. You just have that question. The fact that it's more than just a no. Their answer? No. <laughs> in fact, we do exactly the opposite. Scientology frees people and enables them to think for themselves. Mm. It's a direct quote. That's good. That's good. There's nothing inconspicuous about that. You know, and <laughs> what was a Dan Cummins joke? It's not that if you have a face tattoo, you're a murderer. But if you're if you have a face tattoo and you're on trial for murder, you're probably a murderer. Yeah. So, That's- you know. It's kind of like one of those things where, you know, like, wow, there's a lot of no skateboard signs here. I bet this is a really popular spot for skateboarding. You know, certain things happen enough times and they got to kind of put up a sign to, hey, nope. Uh, I'm so sick of answering this question. Let's go put it on the website. Oof, I want to I want to put that on the, you know, when we get our website up and running. <laughs> I want to have an FAQ page mm, yeah. answering and to calm people down just in case they're wondering. Does Phantom Jukebox induce brainwashing? <laughs> Absolutely not in quotations. No, just one of the like where you never actually answer. Well, technically the definition of brainwashing. Oh, you, is- give, him, you give him a, a, a government official answer? Yeah. <laughs> I remember a time, 1985. 
Yeah, just go on, go on an anecdote about fishing and yeah, never come, never circle back. Oh yeah. So, so, but to people outside of their circle, so outside of the, the, the circle of Scientology, it is still considered to be a cult to this day. So to other people, it is considered a cult. They just don't get it, man. Um, in a 2012 survey uh, conducted by CBS News, 70% of Americans said that Scientology is not a true religion, while 13% said it was, and 18% uh, either don't care or don't know. And this is an older poll, but it's the only like accredited one that was worth bringing in here. So what is the difference between a new religious movement and a cult? So we know the word, the word cult, along with other terms, utilize, is utilized to describe a minority of emergent religions and instantly stigmatizes the group under that consideration. So yes. if, you're, if you're a cult, bad. Mm. We know cult is bad. Boo, cult. Boo, cult. Uh, so, so scholars... Or cultic scholars, yes. That I mean, that's kind of what sort of we've been doing this season. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, have come up with the term "new religious movement." Ah, <laughs> it's not sugar; it's a uh, like a glucose. I think they called it. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. It's not uh, it's not solving the problem. It's just changing the definition. New religious movement is like. It's like to define benign groups of people that believe kind of obscure things. Yeah. We're not into goats and stuff. We're just into cows and stuff. That's like the flying spaghetti monster would technically work. Yes, because it's not necessarily a cult. And, you know, there was it's turned into something. I don't believe it was meant to, but it was meant to just kind of like stick a finger up to, um, I believe, certain basically getting out of certain things based on what religion you are in. Yeah. So like you just kind of like, it's like a loophole for certain mm -hmm. rules. So they just played with that. And I think it's turned into something completely different. Yeah. So, but yeah, the flying spaghetti monster. Yeah. I think it would, it would fit that, that definition. Um, and it's, it, yet it is a hundred percent to get away from the word cult, even though it very much is, that it, it, it may be a little bit a little, it may have a little bit of dabblings in the in the occult little bit of dabblings and total and utter domination of a human spirit come on so ultimately the biggest thing they have in common is a characteristic uh charismatic leader characteristic leader i guess that if that's a word hmm. uh, a charismatic leader a very some of the most ridiculous things happen to these huge groups of people and you wonder how and why and then you see the people talking and even if you don't like them you find yourself still listening there is some kind of weird magnetism these people have to get you to watch them mm. for me i watched a couple of interviews with uh ron hubbard stuff l ron hubbard stuff and i did not enjoy them. It's just the, it's the <laughs> softest I can put it. I had very strong feelings about it, but I it, that is just that. I had very strong feelings about it, and it was like a, watching a train wreck. Mm. You can't really look away, but some of 
some odd things are being said and you're just like, this is not something that I believe in is a legal way I can put it. It's not something to, you know, you can just casually talk about a Sunday brunch with some mimosas. I would, because it would be hilarious. <laughs> but um, now there's this, this person I'm watching has this really, I guess some might call super arrogant personality. Like it's really, really awful to imagine. Like it's hard to imagine somebody could be that of what I was watching. Mm. And then, um, but I'm still watching it. Like I got 10 minutes in before I got to a point where I stopped watching it, but I was still watching it for 10 minutes and really did not have a good time watching it. Yeah. So there's just, there's some kind of magnetism that some of these people have that you just, you will stay for it for some reason. And for some people that are like more susceptible to things, and it's not necessarily being weaker, it's just being susceptible to different things. Yeah. Right. So I don't want that to come across either because a lot of the times and other things that happen in cults are people that are usually lost in some way. Um, a lot of the, the cults that really, there was a lot of cults in the sixties because a lot of children were not getting along with the American dream that their parents had. You know, they didn't yeah. want to be Hank Hill, basically. But lamer than Hank Hill, really. But, um, you know, they, they were really lost. So you have these people that can draw people in, you know, like Father Yod or some might say L. Ron Hubbard. And they, they find, I don't know, they can sense that about some people. And then they kind of like tailor what they need to, to, you know, to get them to come in yeah, and join the fold and be this father figure or guide, you know, this spiritual guide that these people are so desperately seeking because more traditional things aren't doing it for them. Mm. Yeah. So I, I don't want to, I don't want this to be like, we're not bashing, um, well, we're doing our best not to bash anybody. It's, it's very, very difficult, uh, to tame it on this one, but yeah. Uh, it's this isn't going out to like members themselves, you know, like just your average cult, you know, quote unquote cult member, or you're just kind of a like lost soul that doesn't really know. And then some, they got taken advantage of. Yeah. So like all of a lot of the people in the, uh, father Yod situation. Exactly. That he was their dad. Like yeah. They, literally they had bad, like, I don't want to call it daddy issues, but they had father problems. And then he was, the cool dad he was father yod i mean give me a cooler name than that i'll give you several <laughs> but no, no literally he was like i mean you have to think about the context of the 60s he was uh uh in his 50s or something like that he was it was a, he was their dad's age and he had a long hair beard uh spoke real cool and such and he was into taking drugs why and, can't my dad be like this yeah yeah, exactly. So there's something about these people that just have, they have a pheromone. I don't know. There's something about them. Manson, Yod, um, some might say L. Ron Hubbard, <laughs> you know, lawyers. May say. Allegedly. Allegedly. Weird. <laughs> so both Buddhism and Christianity are founded after a charismatic leader as well. Hmm. So we have Jesus. We have Buddha. Uh, Islam originally called Muhammad, oh man, Muhammadanism is also named after its leader. Muhammad. Muhammad, right. I, I, I'm, I apologize. Muhammadan, Muhammadanism, I believe. There's a lot 
it was a lot with that one. I'm already yeah. bad enough with pronunciations, but you get the idea. They have a leader about them. And religions and cults often follow that leader who claims to be divine or at least special and has access to different knowledge and, you know, special revelations. You know, I can see it, you can't. I think uh, um, Mormonism has that, especially where there's, there was one guy who could read the plates in the hat that it had dictated the the one word or letter at a time from the angels, and he was mm. the only one that could dictate it. Nobody else could even look into the hat. Yeah. It's kind of, I'm special, you know. So our charismatic leader uh, for this episode is L. Ron Hubbard, and he very much saw himself as one of these charismatic beings. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about L. Ron Hubbard. Let's join. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hand in hand, man. Let's get those let's get those readings. So for this timeline, we're not going to talk about, we briefly talked about his work in like the 30s and 50s and his mm-hmm. kind of scientific or science fiction ventures there. Here, we're going to pretty much the end, right? We're, we're mainly focusing on from like 1975 onward but we're going to kind of hit around a little bit of the 60s in part two but um there's there's so much like there could be a podcast dedicated to studying scientology Mm. so for our purposes getting to the music later on we're starting it from 1975 okay so we begin basically at the end 1975 Hubbard Sea Org locates to Florida on land. Sea Org was based on three ships since basically 1965-1966. Hubbard Sea Org was an organization whose goal is, or was, well, actually it is, because Sea Org is still around, quote, to uh, get ethics in on the planet. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to remind everyone that a author wrote that. Get ethics in on the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just shoving them ethics right in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yep. Allegedly. Get it in on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> so basically to spread the word of Scientology, you know, Get it out there. Get worldwide. Because before it was mostly in America that he was doing all this. Um, Some would say it was to spread the word. Or some might say it was to run from the FBI. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. That'd be weird. Uh, Who knows? It wasn't the FBI. It was just the guy who owns Facebook. Let's be real. Zuckerberg. (laughs) He went back in time. (laughs) So they traveled, so Sea Org traveled through the Mediterranean, never staying for more than six weeks in any port. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta shove them ethics in there, get out real fast. It's like, you gotta, you gotta be out before the morning. Yeah, you can't, you can't stay around. Can't walk a shame spreading ethics in on the planet. You just need to let it, let it happen. Just put your ethics out there and then just watch it bloom. When you get back, it's going to be flourishing. So, um, <laughs> they would only stay for anywhere for like six weeks, right? Um, at one point, 
they may or may not have so find themselves uh, selves banned from from basically all of these ports in the Mediterranean. Oh, so they would stop a couple emails in in six weeks, outstaying a welcome. Some might say, you know, you can't win them all. You know. You can't win them. You can't win them all. You can't win one. You can't win all of the ports in the Mediterranean. Eh, you know, there's there's other ports. Even like Portugal, where they were like, people like them in Portugal, like get huh. chased out, literally. Well, people you know. threw bottles at the ship. <laughs> according allegedly, uh, allegedly, according to Roger Miller's book, Bare Faced Messiah, B A R E Faced Messiah. Later in 1975, um, uh, Hubbard would, so this is after, you know, this is, uh, Sea Org has ended. This is 1975. Okay. Um, he's in Florida at this point, Clearwater, actually. Nice. Where they have a really big Scientology base, if you will. Uh, so later in 1975, um, Hubbard, and this is according to Roger Miller's book, Hubbard revealed his identity to a tailor who was also a big sci-fi fan. Uh, Hubbard would soon find out that this made the newspaper because remember he may or not may or may not have been chased out by federal governments oh. or people that fans fans that may or may not have really really painfully badly wanted to talk to him yeah like fans really badly wanted his autograph wanted to talk to him for a little they bit wanted to, they wanted to ho- like, question him about like they wanted this conver- they wanted this conversation to last like 20 years somewhere isolated yeah. you know just hang out behind a bar if you will yeah <laughs> yeah just wanted to chill at the bar at the bar you know yeah bar hopping throw yeah. away the key you know, yeah. you need to get out of here. Yeah, no, don't drive. No. You're bar hopping. No. <laughs> so, so he, he, just, he may or may not have wanted not to make the newspapers, but he did. So Hubbard would soon um, flee, like immediately like pack up and leave. And uh, he went to Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Hmm. So, so with that, I have our second question. Nice. Joe, you're on the lam, right? You're running away from people who may or may not want your autograph desperately for like 20 to 30 years, something like yeah. that. Yeah. You're on the lam. How do you think you might slip up and reveal your identity? What what do you think might get you? Like you like you know showing up at one of those es- expos, soon having like a a book signing, you know, <laughs> one of those might accidentally slip my mind. Oh, I shouldn't really like let people know I'm here. It's just someone's like, man, I really like the work of uh, Joe. I'm Joe, and then you find out you're in the New York Times, and then I find out, oh, this is a celebration of the book that I released. Hey, these and people, everyone's here to find me. <laughs> They're outside my hotel room at two in the morning. They're knocking really loud on the door. Such diehard fans, man. There's such paparazzi. I'm going to have to slip out through the tiny window in the bathroom. Not again. Ugh, I hate it when that happens. (laughs) Good thing I've lost all this weight from all this running from fans. 
Man, uh, the paparazzi keep you in shape, if anything, you know? If I need to, I can get through a bar with salsa and a spoon. <laughs> use, it, use it to erode the iron ore. Dig my oh. way out. I just need a giant poster of some 80s icon. So after a stint and a, a few FBI raids, that did happen. There were FBI raids in a couple of the Scientology locations. Hubbard would become very paranoid and he whittled his trusted circle down to two people, a married couple named Pat and Annie Broker. Originally, you know, there was, you know, a couple, several people in the Scientology church that, you know, they're kind of like his circle. Then it became 10 ish and then it became two. Oh, so he's just, the more and more like people keep cracking down and getting closer to like getting his autograph, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the more he very much isolates himself from the public. You yeah. know how it is when you're like friends with somebody and then they become a fan of your work. So now they are just constantly handing you for autographs and it's like, ah, I don't really want to hang out with them anymore. Uh, I don't really don't want to spend 20 to 30 years at their place. Yeah. Uh, it's drafty there. So 1980 would be the last time he is seen publicly. So 75, he's kind of, you know, he's, he kind of like just moving around a little bit, kind of hides in DC and then 1980 just full disappears. And uh, he would basically, he would have such little contact with the outside world that people would think he was dead, even his own son. Oh, wow. Yeah. He would, he would do his best to disappear. and. He was, he sort of was, sort of was kind of good at it until later in a big way. Um, they would travel constantly. So him and the brokers would travel constantly along the Pacific Northwest in an RV, <laughs> a nice RV. Mm. But um, in this, he would like, they say he would kind of relinquish control of the, the church to, you know, other members and stuff. But other people contest that he still was very much in charge of it. That's kind of, as you read about it, that's kind of up to you to decide. My personal opinions were he wasn't as absent as people may have thought. Yeah. My opinion on the matter. So after Washington, D.C., he would land for a time in California near Newport Beach and uh, then L.A. kind of dotting around there. While in self-imposed seclusion, or some might say hiding, you know. It's quarantine. It just conveniently wanted to separate himself from he, he may have had the flu you he know he was just quarantining himself for like sort of kind of a decade you know you those know. bug flus are pretty bad pretty bad so in this time he well he didn't waste this time let me put it that way he created his latest intentionally fictional works in almost 30 years nice right so you're hiding you're worried that people are going to come get you. You may or may not have had some heart problems in this time to the point where you spent a, spent a stint in the hospital. So what do you do? You write Battlefield Earth and a 10-volume epic called Mission Earth. Those are two. So Battlefield Earth is a single novel of like a thousand pages or something like that. Um, Mission Earth is like 10. No, let's see. It's almost like nearly 10,000 words or something like that. It's, it's nice. 
10 volumes of one story in like three to 400 page splits. Yeah. It's insane. Um, these two books are irrelevant to us because they're involved with the music we're going to be talking about mm. in the next episode. So these are the two concept albums that we are going to be spending some time with. Okay. And I have listened to all of both of these. <laughs> it was painful. It was. So this episode took a lot of time to research. We apologize for this one being super late for this month, but it was worth it for the amount of information we got. Like we had to split this into two episodes. There was no one yeah. episode of this. So can't wait. <laughs> so um, he writes Battlefield Earth in the 10 volume epic Mission Earth. And along with this release, Hubbard would pr uh, prove that he was alive. So like he would, he's in hiding. People think he's dead. Probably the right place you want to be for people that may or may not want your autograph for 20 to 30 years from various places all over the world, yeah. you would say. Yeah. Um, maybe the last thing you should do, and I'm kind of surprised he was able to do it. And, you know, you want to talk about the, the freedoms of America is you could be federally hunted down, some may say, and still release a book. Yeah. Not just one, a total of 11 individual books. I mean, Tupac can release an album after he's dead. I mean, I'm sure this guy can. <laughs> That's a solid point. Who's got more street cred? L. Ron Hubbard after death or Tupac? Who's still releasing <laughs> albums? I think Tupac was releasing albums up to like 2006, I think. Hubbard was releasing releasing up, I think, till 2002. So it's a it's neck and neck. Wow, yeah. Who knows? That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, check out our Tupac episode. That was it. That was a heavy episode. Oh yeah. So, um, <laughs> so he would he would prove that he's alive in a big way, and the dispute of like where the church was going to go as a result of you know that conversation. So from roughly 1982 uh, to the rest of his life in 1986, he would be working on his novels and also some dope tunes. Nice. So in that span, he would basically, he would influence and be involved in the creation of five total albums. I'm going to take a guess here. The genre that I think that he would create dubstep as you know that's a little too creative for him mission uh, earth sounds like a dubstep soundtrack you couldn't be more wrong you couldn't be more wrong <laughs> <laughs> i wish it was a, i wish it was i wish it was an entire album of someone opening and closing the dishwasher i will save the reveal for what <laughs> genre it is on part two Part of the reason this is a part two is because there was no way that I sat and listened to all those albums and we weren't going to use it. <laughs> well, it's, and we weren't going to just like the start of the yeah, episode no. go, oh, new music just dropped from yeah. Scientology. No, we, we certainly weren't going to be like, hey, they made music and just leave you on that one. But we were, were most certainly going to explore this music and the best way to do it was just talk about it in its own episode, what it was meant to do. Cause two were concept albums. Mm. Um, one of the, the first album was written by written and performed 
by Hubbard himself. Nice. Written and composed on a very unique piece of equipment that we will be talking about, which is involved with one of my favorite albums, not ironically. <laughs> Peter Gabriel and L. Ron Hubbard. There's, there's a piece Similar of- minds. No, <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to see what happens when you know how to use a piece of gear and when you don't. Okay, okay. So, so stay tuned for part two. That's all in part two. Can't wait. So he would directly create one in 1982. I'm doing my best not to talk about it because it's so bizarre. Uh, and he would help. And so the second album, nobody really knows when it came out. Mm. And what I mean by that is some people say 1986. Some people say 1989. Okay. Some people believe they it's 1986 to like maybe tie it more to L. Ron Hubbard. We don't really know. I can say that he was involved with the writing process, but Edgar Winter, if you're not familiar with that artist, is a guy who wrote a famous song called Frankenstein. Amongst uh, We're going to go into him in a little bit of detail in the next episode. But Edgar Winter is a very famous like prog rock musician. Like If you're familiar with a really pale guy with long hair, playing a keyboard around his neck, like a big keyboard. Yeah. Um, just look up the song Frankenstein, Edgar Winter Frankenstein. You've heard it before. Okay. Um, um, yeah, so he, he was the one who created, they actually played on the album, but Elron Hubbard wrote all the lyrics and then um, I guess helped translate it from 10-volume epic to a single album. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So he played producer and songwriter on that one. And then Edgar Winter had to endure that. I'm going to say the word endure. Oh, and by the way, when with like Mission Earth and some other ones, like some big time people are on these albums, like Isaac Hayes, uh, Chick Corea, who's a famous keyboardist. Uh, John Travolta sings on one of them. Nice. Um, Sylvester Stallone's brother, Frank Stallone, sings on one of them. So there's oh, yeah. there's some high powered people at the time um that are involved with m- these albums in multiple ways in some cases like Isaac Hayes is in like two of them I believe Chick Corea is in two like they there's some powerful industry professionals involved with mm-hmm. making some of these albums I want you to remember that okay when you hear it okay <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. So, and then the other, the other two, the two are concept albums and the other two are meant to like spread the word. Like they're like, we would call like a, if you had a gospel album, this would be the Scientology gospel albums. Hmm. Nice. Um, one of them, one of them is a, I'm, I'm going to tease a little bit. One of them is a poem that gets repeated six times throughout the album. Now, uh, that's I'm, what I said was <laughs> it's, a single poem that gets six different iterations on the album. I don't know if you've ever like listened to Christian hymns. He's not far off. <laughs> I mean, you know, every church has got to have some good, some good hymnals, you know, but at, at least classics, you got to remix them a little bit, at least with like Christian hymns and stuff. Like if they weren't, burning the musicians they were paying them to write secular music <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so it's like ah da vinci paint for us or we kill your family <laughs> you know 
<laughs> and he's like, ah, okay, I'll paint. This is all right. All right. You know, they, they were able to work with the artisans a little bit. So like even the Pope is not like, I am the greatest. You know, yeah. he's like, I'm a Pope. You do it for the Pope. The Pope, big daddy Pope. You, <laughs> the Pope is nice. The pope, pope is nice. Very nice. Turns into Borat for some, <laughs> some reason. But anyway, the, the Pope didn't think he was a maestro, you know, maybe as a hobbyist. But he's like, you know, I don't think I'm confident enough to write a symphony. I'm going to command somebody else to do it or I kill their whole family. I wish he did. I wish the Pope did write an album. I'd listen to it. Nope. Some prog rock. Nope, says the Pope. So, but L. Ron Hubbard, on the other hand, was like, I am a maestro. I am that confident. My confidence drastically outweighs my abilities. Nice. It's, it's a blind confidence. You're like, man, I wish I was that confident. And then you hear Battlefield Earth and you're like, okay, no. <laughs> That son is what we call humility. <laughs> that person has none of that. That person may or may not have humility. Maybe, maybe none. <laughs> maybe his backstory is complete and utter BS. I don't know. Allegedly. Allegedly. I, oh, there's an interview in particular where he's talking to like this British dude who sounds like he's slowly dying as he's giving the interviews. Like, hello, Mr. Hubbard. Tell me about your life. And Hubbard's like, he asked him to define Scientology. Mm. And Hubbard's like, you know, you just asked me to define the Encyclopedia Britannica in one word. And literally I found myself saying, dictionary. It's what the Encyclopedia Britannica is basically like. A, it's like a dictionary, right? It's like a book of, <laughs> it's a book telling you about things. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And allegedly, allegedly, that interview was staged so that he knew all the questions and he knew how to answer them beforehand. Uh, it's all alleged, by the way, but it's a very, it's a very painful interview to sit through. Mm. That's the one I made it about 15 minutes into and had to go to do something else. So there is one more album. So he did five albums. Oh. Right. And one of them he did slightly before our timeline in the early days of Sea Org. And he wrote a jazz album. Nice. Now, that, that one was, like, again, that one was recorded by, before we kind of get into the meat of what we're talking about. Everything that we were going to talk about takes place basically between 82 and, uh, well, I guess ultimately the early 2000s when that last album comes out. That's what we're going to get into. So the jazz one doesn't necessarily fit into this, but we are going to talk about it on our other show on Patreon. B-sides. The B-sides. We've got to open up with some L. Ron Hubbard jazz. We, I think we will. I'm going to double check on that, and I'm going to see if I can get like a 10-second sample. And I hate to say, if you like acid jazz, you have to forgive the quality, because, of course, he plays producer on it, and he had no idea what he was doing. But the people he had playing on the album, it's, it's, I'm going to preface, you have to like acid jazz. You are, and I'm not the biggest fan of it, but like that kind of chaotic cowboy bebop intro. Okay. Like tank. Yeah. Um, that kind of, it's less organized than that, but it's very, it's, it's an interesting one to study. For If you forget that he's involved with it, it's completely instrumental. 
Okay. So there's there's not really a whole lot of preaching, I guess you could say. Um, but we're going to talk about that because there's a story involving the story behind that getting produced is fascinating, and but it doesn't fit here. Okay. It does fit okay. in the B sides. And I had to talk about it. Yeah. Because I think you are going to, you and uh, you out there in listening land are going to get a massive kick out of it. So, do you have any thoughts up to this point? We've been, we've been on a, a decent journey so far. What do you think? Um, you know, if there's, uh, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, between Scientology and other religions mm-hmm. thereof, you know, uh, as much so as there are, you know, some similarities between religions and cults in general. You know, yeah, I think, yeah. That's, so that's enough of a, a generalized, you know. It's a pretty governmenty answer. There's some connections between all things. We're all connected. <laughs> I mean, it was made here on Earth, right? <laughs> the idea came from a human i i just i just want like that like a uh, theremin like you know wah, 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 as you're talking right now <laughs> you know and it was all written down and it's kind of all collected in in a in a source material if you would say we're all connected out there we all have hymns and songs there's similarities between everything. I just wanted to see where you're going with this. So to answer your question, Your Honor. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we leave it. We leave it to you out there. Like I don't know, based on what you've heard, and you can read for yourself on the website if it's not immediately taken down. Um, we're just putting it out there. You can you can chew on the. The uh, the chili we've left on the park bench and walked away from in a trench coat and glasses and inconspicuous hat. Do you think Scientology is a cult, or would you would do you want to join? Let us know on on our <laughs> social media. Uh, Did we, you join? Uh, yes. <laughs> have you joined yet? And if so, why? And let us know at Twitter and Facebook, Instagram. We're on all of the things. Hang up now and call your next emergency hotline. <laughs> Just type in the. Search bar, type in Phantom Jukebox, click on the first link you see, don't question it, and then just ask us. <laughs> did did join Colt Y? <laughs> <laughs> did I, could you join Colt? Maybe. <laughs> Lawyer. Is Elron me? Is Elron I? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But anyway, that is uh, that is going to be the end of uh, part one of this journey. And um, thank you so much for joining us on this one. Um, you know, I it's been kind of a crazy season. Like we kind of had to change our format a little bit, but uh, very much still enjoy doing these. It's felt like it's been ages since we've been able to come back. Yeah, because uh, yeah, no, I just, just like we said earlier, life is life has changed a bit and we're hoping to get back to our regular program, but we've got two more episodes after this planned that are going to be pretty great. Mm. Um, so definitely like the the last of the Scientology episode and the last one for the season is going to be the October episode, which is also our Halloween special. Okay. Very, very excited about that. I think we're we're either going to do kind of like a two part thing with that, or it's going to be like a longer episode, I think. 
Okay. I think it may just be a longer episode for the Halloween special because there's, I'm not going to give the topic away, but it's a big one. It's like a, it's a, it's a pretty known one, but it's, there's a lot to go into it. Kind of like this one. This one needed a lot of double checking and care. So that's why this one took. Oh yeah. With, you know, the current life situation, this one needed a little extra, you know, fire. As is life with Scientology. <laughs> Need a little bit of extra care. Need a little extra a little care. extra love. D- double check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> anyway, so you'll find, uh, you know, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, um, anywhere that has like, your major listening platforms on it. Again, if they have like a rating feature, that would help us out tremendously to tell us uh, you know, just your thoughts in general on the show. Um, five stars would help the most, but honestly, any kind of uh, rating or your thoughts on it would be would be insightful. Fair yeah. If you don't know what to put in the rating tab, just you know, if Elron Hebert of me, why? <laughs> exactly that, and we'll know you're you're one of the fun ones, <laughs> and we'll know to send help. <laughs> so, um. Again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It's a very, very, very fun ride. It was it was refreshing to kind of come back to this after being so busy. Yes, yeah, so uh, it feels good to be back. It, feel, it feels very, very good to be back. So anyway, I want to thank uh, everybody out there for listening. This, is, this has been a really fun one to do. Uh, I want to thank Kenny Grooms for doing our the mixing of our soundtrack, of our uh, theme, intro, song. theme song. Thank you. I'm, the, I'm still trying to not think of me broken and our why <laughs> so i'm trying to talk normal for the rest of this episode um so yeah he unlike hubbard knew what he was doing when he was mixing and mastering that oh, and it sounds yes tremendous yes. and uh love it still and um we have uh we have released other world music since then that he has done yes um a Quiet Place. Yes. I was going to say Curse of Man, but that's another project. A Quiet Place on all of your uh, major streaming platforms and, as well by Otherworld uh, featuring us. Our band, which also has a music video with you, Joe. With me. Yes, and you did very good. As a diver that looks like the Big Lebowski or the dude from the Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. That was such a fun, that's such a fun video to shoot. I just want to walk around like that all the time. Just that's a great Halloween costume. Nobody will have any idea what you're doing. Yeah. So also want to thank uh, Dakota Galvin, our producer and social media sorceress, for all the extra help on putting these episodes together. Like again, it was there was so much to go through, and there was so much to try to distill down. So. Mm. Uh, would not have gotten this episode put together without her help. And thank you, Joe. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Ziggy, for keeping us in line. And thank you all for listening to us and being coming back to us. And thank you for go ahead and, you know, searching out that next episode when when it airs. But until then, until next time.